just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Wednesday. It is Thanksgiving Eve. I'm sure some of you folks are saying, are you going to do a podcast for Thanksgiving? And yeah, I probably will. I know people got stuff to do, and if you don't have time to listen to it, I get it. But I've done one every day for quite a while now, and I figure while I'm on a roll, I might as well continue to do it. You can listen to it on Friday if you want. You'll have two on Friday for that matter. But I'm excited about the holidays. And I haven't always been excited about the holidays. It kind of comes and goes. When I was a kid, of course, I loved Thanksgiving and Christmas, getting together with family. And then as I got a little bit older, Thanksgiving would come around. I'd be in my late teens or 20s, and it was about getting together with my friends and trying to get away from the family. But then you get married, you have some kids, and then all of a sudden the holidays seem fun again. That's the common thread here. If you've got kids, the holidays become far more important because you have a job now. Your job is to make those holidays memorable like your parents did for you. Some of my favorite memories when I'm in my youth with my family is during the holidays. So you get kids and you try to make their holidays exciting. I had this one experience, and I'll tell you this. Um, My oldest son, my youngest son wasn't born yet. My oldest son, he's like five, okay? Now, this kid's really mature for his age, and he's really big for his age. So a lot of people have expectations of this kid that just aren't fair because he really isn't as old as he looks. But he's a pretty intelligent kid, and it's Christmas. And my wife and I were having a hard time to figure out exactly what to get him. And I said, you know, when I was a kid, what I really liked is having a TV for myself in my room. That was a big deal. So I went out and bought him a small TV. This is before the flat screen TVs, of course. So I bought him the TV, and we got a bunch of other little things, too. And I thought, this is going to be cool. He's going to be so excited. He's going to feel like a big boy now. So we get to Christmas morning. He's going through his smaller toys. He loves those. And then he gets to the big one. You can see he's pretty excited. And then he opens it up. And realizes it's a TV. But he's not excited. And I can sense that he's disappointed. And I don't get it for the life of me. You know, of course, I grew up in a different generation. So I can't relate to him. A TV isn't as big a deal to him as it was me back in the day. Because they were more rare back in the day. Now this kid goes into any room and there's a fucking TV, so having one in his room doesn't really mean that much. But I wasn't sharp enough to catch on to that. So I'm looking at him and I said, you seem disappointed. And he was really a nice, polite kid, so he's not going to come out and say, this sucks, Dad. And I said, so what's wrong? And he's not telling me. And then... um, I said, no, no, buddy, you can tell me. It's no problem. I understand. Just tell me what's the problem. 
I said, you don't like the TV? He looked at me in the nicest way he could, and he said, well, I was hoping for something better. And that kind of crushed me because I thought, and I wasn't mad at the kid. The kid was just being honest like I asked him to be. But it crushed me because I felt like I wasn't doing my job making this holiday special for him. So I said, okay, buddy, here's what we're going to do. We're, you and I are going to go to Target tomorrow, the day after Christmas. We're going to take this TV back, and we're going to get money for it. And I'll even put more money into it, too. And then what we'll do is we'll go through Target, and you can pick out anything you want. You can fill up that basket with the amount of money that we get back for the TV and a little more that I put in there, too. He said, okay. He brightened up. So the next day, we go to Target just as planned, and we go into the toy aisles. And this was a time when Batman was out. It was one of the first ones that came out, and Batman was big for my little guy. In fact, when he was in daycare, he and his best buddy constantly went around daycare with a towel tied around their neck because they wanted to be superheroes. They wanted to be Batman. So anyway, we go into the store and he's going through the aisle and he's picking things up and he looks at me and I say, yeah, sure, go ahead. And he filled the basket up with probably 150 to maybe $200 worth of plastic Batman stuff. Now, if mom and I were picking these things out, we would never do that. But, you know, I felt like I owed it to this kid. I said, okay, anything you want. So he starts buying all this stuff. He puts it in the basket. We go up and pay for it. He's all excited because he picked out his toys. And the day before, as I said, I felt crushed. But that all changed because at the moment we're walking out of Target, he's got two big bags. He's carrying them. He insists on carrying them. And we're walking out the door. And as we walk out the door, he looks up at me. He goes, Dad? I go, what? He goes, this is the best Christmas ever. And I was so excited. I redeemed myself. My wife was excited. We spent 200 bucks on plastic Batman shit, but I didn't care. All I really cared about was that this kid got a memory. We'll be able to look back at his holidays with... Uh, with some excitement and, and, and have that in his life. So now <laughs> I've got grandkids. Now I just give my kid, my, my older kids money because I don't know what they want and I'm not going to be very good at picking something out for them. But my grandkids, now it's going to be fun again because we got little guys, two and a half year old, a 10 year old. I've got grandnieces and nephews. i got all kinds of stuff. So it's going to be an exciting holiday, even Thanksgiving. I like that one because there's no pressure, none of, the, none of the gift pressure. It's just about getting together, hanging out, and seeing one another again. Then you have Christmas, and then, of course, all the others that come after. But I'm excited about the holidays again. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, especially with the grandkids and the younger nieces and nephews. All right, let's get to getting. Now, we've all been hearing about what's going on with this shooting that, what ha that happened in Colorado Springs at Club Q. Some dipshit fuck walks into Club Q with a rifle, an AR-15, I believe, shoots and kills five people, injures 25 people. We're, we're finding more out about this kid. 
this kid uh, is a troubled kid. His mom even called the police on him at one point because he was making bomb threats or threatening her somehow. Now, this kid has a grandfather who is an assemblyman in California, and he's a big megafuck. I mean, you got pictures on the Internet of him wearing the red cap and all this shit. And from what I understand, this grandfather in California had enough savvy to try to get his record sealed so nobody knew what he did. So he wouldn't have that reputation when he went on in life. I think he's 18 years old. And from what I understand, this gun that this kid had, he got through his grandfather. So his grandfather is a piece of shit. And he should be looking at some charges, too, if he gave this kid this gun. I don't know the actual details. This is just things I'm hearing in passing. Okay, so we're dealing with all that shit. And it's appalling. It is tragic. And shit like this should not be happening. So as I'm getting ready to do this podcast, guess what? We got a fucking another one. This just came across a little bit ago. I'm, I'm at about midnight on uh, Wednesday morning. <clears throat> so you'll be hearing more about it as the day goes on. But police in Chesapeake, Virginia, are responding to a shooting at a Walmart with multiple fatalities and injuries. Chesapeake Police Public Information Officer Leo Kaczynski told CNN this. Now, officers responded to the store around 10, 12 p.m. So that would have been a short time ago. Actually, no, it would have been about four hours ago. And found evidence of a shooting inside Kozinski's. The officer entered the store and discovered multiple people dead and injured Kozinski said without providing further details. The shooter is also believed to be among the dead. So that's one bit of good news. The troubling thing is we see these tragedies, it seems like, weekly. And it's always the same story. It's some young guy who gets a hold of an AR-15, has some mental and emotional problems, and goes and does the unthinkable without any forethought, without any any, uh, conscience about it. Now, I don't know the details of this shooter. Maybe he's an older guy. Who knows? But the fact of the matter is this is happening all too often. And it's been happening for years. I mean, this isn't even news. This isn't even surprising. It's kind of weird that it happened a short time after what we had in Colorado Springs. But still, we're hearing about shootings all the time. Now, the Republicans will always push back on this because they're afraid that uh, this is going to give the ammunition, no pun intended, to adjust or change the Second Amendment. And God forbid everybody not able be able to have every gun they want and as many guns as they want. <clears throat> but that's their concern. So what gets done in our Congress is nothing. I mean, anytime we have some problem in this country, that's kind of Congress's job to come up with a remedy. You have a hurricane someplace, they got to get together and get some money and help people that are struggling out. Yet when we have a shooting like this, people say, oh, that's too bad. Maybe we just need to give more people more guns. And clearly that doesn't help. 
It gets very tiring seeing these sorts of things. And what troubles me the most is we hear more and more of these things. I'm not as concerned for myself, but I'm concerned for the younger people, our kids, our grandkids. Because if it keeps getting worse, it's not going to be safe going fucking anywhere in this country. Now, I live in Minneapolis, and Minneapolis has always been relatively safe safe comparatively to like Detroit or what New York used to be in the 70s and all that stuff. It's been relatively safe. I had an office in downtown Minneapolis, and, you know, it had its rough spots, but I never felt afraid down there. Now in 2022, I'm 62 years of age. I have no real reason or interest in going into downtown Minneapolis. There's a fair amount of violence down there. There are shootings. My brother was taking his grandson to some show at the Orpheum Theater on Hennepin Avenue. And directly across the street, as they're standing there, somebody gets shot. Now, that would never happen in Minneapolis, but apparently it is happening here. And you have to wonder why it's happening so frequently in Minneapolis. And I have a feeling I know why. It's because of the George Floyd incident. When George Floyd happened and the police officers were held accountable, you heard a lot of police officers say, well, you can't, we just can't do anything now. And they're trying to make a point. They're maybe not putting forth the effort that they once did. They're trying to own the public, as it were. Well, if you don't want us to be tough on crime, see what you get. I don't know if that's true for sure, but sure seems like it. It sure seems to have gotten worse since George Floyd's incident. I don't know. We live in a very violent country, and that is troubling. I don't want to leave my kids and my grandkids with a worse place than what I found when I was born here. And I was born in 1960, so we had some troubling times during the 60s. But we're sliding down a slippery slope now, and it seems to get worse and worse. We see more corruption, more criminality from our government. We see more violence on the streets. And we see a refusal of our government to do anything about it. Things need to change. And I think our saving grace is something I talked about the other day. I was told that come 2028... The majority of the people that will be voting in this country will be millennials and Gen Zs, the future of this country. These folks will have an opportunity to decide their future and their destiny, and it's about fucking time. Because we older folks apparently have failed in many ways. So I'm hoping that when they finally do take full control of this country and be the biggest voting bloc, that we see a lot of changes in this country. See the, uh, see the eradication of Republicans in general. I know you think that's kind of hard. Well, you got the Trump function. You got the regular Republicans. Well, you remember the regular Republicans have been supporting these Trump fucks for six years. They may want to step away from it now, but that doesn't change what they did. As I've always said, the stink will go with them no matter where they go. The whole concept of the Republican Party, the conservatism, and how they do business just doesn't work, even before Donald Trump. The idea of giving the rich money 
and taking the money from the middle class and giving them nothing. It's just not feasible anymore. It won't work. And I'm hoping against hope that these young folks, when they start to take control, will get some changes. We got a bit of good news yesterday. The Supreme Court on Tuesday cleared the way for the Internal Revenue Service to release former President Donald Trump's tax returns to a Democratic-led House committee. Now, the court's move is a major loss for Trump, who has sought to shield the release of his tax return literally for years and is currently under multiple investigations, as we know. Now, the Supreme Court voted on this, and Donald Trump had been kind of trying to hide it. He kept appealing, he kept losing, he kept appealing, and then he appealed to the Supreme Court. And he's thinking, well, I got a shoe in here because I appointed three of those motherfuckers, and they owe me, and certainly they will side with me. Well, that didn't happen because the vote in the Supreme Court was 9-0 against Donald Trump. 9-0 that said Donald Trump has to release his taxes. And this has to have Donald Trump kind of squirming at this point. Now, Trump's legal team has continuously sought to keep his return secret and turned to the Supreme Court, hoping against hope. Now, Chief Justice John Roberts, who supervises the lower court that issued the order in the Trump case, had placed a temporary hold, remember, He lost the appeal. He sent it to the Supreme Court. And what does the Supreme Court do? They put a hold on it to consider it. Now, when that happened, a lot of people were upset. They thought that was the final answer, and it wasn't. I knew they would have to come up with a final vote, which they have. And in spite of that temporary hold, it's not going Donald Trump's way. Now, the House Ways and Means Committee Chairman, Richard Neal, he is a Massachusetts Democrat. He first started trying to get the tax returns from the IRS in 2019, three to four years ago. And the agency under the Trump administration initially resisted turning them over. The case moved slowly until about 2021 when the Biden administration, the Justice Department, changed its legal posture and concluded the IRS was obligated to comply with the committee's request. Of course, the Republicans and Donald Trump said they were wrong. Well, that's no matter now because the Supreme Court says he's got to turn them over. Now, there is a potential problem here. The House Ways and Means Committee is led by Democrats because they have the majority in the House. But come January... The Republicans will take control of the Ways and Means Committee. And you'd have to presume if they take over and they're still dealing with Donald Trump's taxes, the Republicans will kick it off the table. They won't deal with it. They'll shut it down. They'll hide it because that's what they do. So the question is, how quickly do they get these? I would presume they go to the IRS today and say, look, we've got the, uh, the approval from the Supreme Court. Send that shit to us, which I presume they will do pretty quickly. We're still six, wa- six weeks away from the Republicans taking over. Now the question is, what are you going to do with them? An investigation 
with the House of Representatives doesn't make a lot of sense because you know it's going to take more than six weeks. What I suggested, it won't happen, but what I suggested, since you're short on time, maybe just turn over the taxes to the press, create a website and put PDFs of it, and let anybody download it that wants to download it, and let the social media fuck with it. That would be a cool way to do it. But from what I understand, that's not going to happen. So the question is, they got the taxes released, but will anything come from it? And I think it will. See, the thing about it is, even if the House doesn't decide to investigate in it, the Senate, the leader of the Senate, not Schumer, the leader of uh, the, I don't even know what they call it, but there's a group similar to the Ways and Means Committee in the Senate, he can send a note to the IRS and says, we'd like to see them too. And then, of course, the Senate can handle investigations. And they're good. Democrats have the majority for two more years. So that's what may happen when the, all this, this occurs. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But it's, it's got to be known. People say, well, why do we need the taxes? And there's some very important reasons why we need to look at the taxes. First and foremost, to embarrass Donald Trump, because he's told us for years he's a billionaire and that isn't probably accurate. I don't know that he's ever been a billionaire. He's done so many things that have lost him money. In fact, later we talk about a story where this guy has lost hundreds and hundreds of millions every year for 10 years. How the hell do you become a billionaire if you constantly lose money? The question is, where does he get that money? And that's what these tax returns will tell us. You remember when he was young, he'd try all his different strategies, and he would fail. And, of course, he was always bailed out by his father. His father gave him as much as, what, $450 million over a period of time just to save his ass? Well, then Daddy dies. The money gets split up. Donnie takes the lion's share. But Donnie doesn't do well with money. He wastes it. He loses it. He acts foolishly with it. So now he needs another influx of money. Where does he get it? Now that is the question that needs to be answered. We can presume a lot of things. He deals with a lot of foreign countries, some of them adversarial and some of them even enemy countries to the United States of America. I presume he's getting money from them. I gave you... Um, my theory about how he was getting money from Russia. I mean, he obviously has a tight relationship with Russia. His own son, prior to being elected, said, oh, yeah, we get a lot of money from Russia. And then, of course, later on, they said, we don't deal with Russia, which, of course, is a lie. <clears throat> but as I've said before, the only place that would loan Donald Trump money was Deutsche Bank in Germany. There were no banks in this country that were willing to loan him money, mainly because he doesn't pay the motherfuckers back. Or he files bankruptcy multiple times and they lose their money. So he's not a good bet. He's not a good risk. And no American bank is going to risk anything with Donald Trump. But he gets it from Deutsche Bank. And the question is, 
why would Deutsche Bank take that same risk? Granted, they're out of the country, but you know they're in business to make money too. They can't be uh, they can't be uh, losing money like they certainly would with Donald Trump. So my supposition is that you know Donald Trump has kind of been an asset for a long time for the Russians. He afforded them some inroads into this country to some of the most important people in this country because Donald Trump knew them. I mean, keep in mind, Donald Trump was a big, big supporter of the Clintons back before he ran against Hillary Clinton. He gave them a lot of money. So the question is, how does he get the money? And what I've always suggested, given his kinship with the Russians, is that the Russians somehow feed the money into Deutsche Bank. And then Deutsche Bank gives the money to Donald Trump to give the perception that it's all legit. But it's not legit. We know Deutsche Bank has been called out and fined numerous times for laundering money. And in most of those cases, it's been with Russia. So it makes sense that money's coming from Russia to Deutsche Bank all the way into Donald Trump. And in fact, there have been some higher-ups in Deutsche Bank that have had their places raided. And uh, they're likely to be indicted in their own countries. So what we need to know through these taxes, we can embarrass him when we find out he's not a billionaire. That's fun. But what we really need to understand is how much money he is getting from other countries, whether it be Russia, Saudi Arabia, North Korea, whoever the fuck. Where is he getting this money? And once we realize that he's gotten it from adversarial and enemy countries, that explains a lot with the top secret documents and such. I mean, in his mind, he thought he was going to be reelected and he can continue to grift his people and, of course, do favors for his buddies, the Russians and the Saudi Arabians. But then he lost. So now he's got a big debt with these folks. How do you pay that off? Well, the only way he pays that off, of course, is by doing something in kind, like providing nuclear documentation from Israel to Saudi Arabia, or providing nuclear information about America to the Russians, or who knows what the fuck, or exposing spies that are out there working in Russia and other countries, telling them exactly who they are so they can kill them. And we know that the CIA has a number of uh, spies or assets that have been killed in recent times. So that doesn't sound like a complete coincidence. It's not just about the money with Donald Trump. We need to know what's going on in those taxes because we, w- we need to know if he's compromised. I mean, we presume he's compromised already, but this would be proof. He's dealing with top-secret documents, dealing with foreign countries. We find out he's obliged or in debt to other countries. Well, that's a troubling find. That is a huge risk to this country. And this is something we should have known four or five years ago. But, of course, Donald Trump does what he does and delays and delays and delays. So when we see these taxes, and we will see these taxes, or at least... Congress will see these taxes, and if there's something that's a red flag to them, you can bet there'll be an investigation or something. But we need to find this out 
we need to find out just how compromised this country is, both in the top secret documents and both and the other by finding out who's funding Donald Trump. So this is a big deal that these taxes are going to be released. It was a long time coming. We should never have had to wait this long. But unfortunately, that's how our fucked up judicial system works. It is coming. The Democrats in the House only have six weeks, so let's hope that the Democrats in the Senate say, yeah, send us a copy, too. All right, we are going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Well, yesterday was not a very good day for Donald Trump in the courts. There was like four different cases that all went against Donald Trump. This next one is interesting. A federal appeals court appeared deeply skeptical Tuesday that former President Donald Trump was entitled to challenge an FBI FBI search of his Florida state or to have an independent arbiter review documents that were seized from the home. And what they're talking about is the, um, not the special counselor, the special whatever, the guy is, you know, the guy that he wanted and he got. They're trying to say, look, we don't even really need this anymore, especially now that they've hired this special counsel who is separate from the DOJ. He will be doing the job as this other guy that Donald Trump wanted in. So there's really no need for doing it. And of course, Donald Trump's uh, lawyers were up there fighting to keep everything going the way it is, even though it wasn't going well anyway. And they were saying things that this uh, search warrant wasn't legitimate. We've got a president of the United States sending out a search warrant against an opponent in an election, which is absolutely bullshit because Donald Trump had not announced that he was running for president. They're just trying to slip that by, try to make it sound better than it is. Well, the judge caught on to that right away and uh, wasn't too helpful to Donald Trump's lawyers. A three-panel, three-judge panel of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit, including two Trump appointees, repeatedly suggested Trump was seeking special treatment in asking that the special master conduct an independent inspection of records taken in August 8th in their search of Mar-a-Lago. And that's exactly what Donald Trump is asking, even though the lawyers are saying, oh, we don't want special treatment. No, motherfucker, that's exactly what you're asking for. Other than the fact that this involves a former president, everything else about this is indistinguishable from any pre-indictment search warrant, said William Pryor, the court's chief judge, a George W. Bush appointee, I might add. He also said, we've got to be concerned about the precedent that would create that would allow any target of a federal criminal investigation to go into district court and to have a district court entertain this kind of petition and interfere with the executive branch's ongoing investigation. I mean, based on what Donald Trump is doing by announcing that he's running for president, he feels like it's going to insulate him from indictments or something along the lines of this search warrant thing. I mean, so what does that mean? If one of us gets arrested for whatever crime, we say, well, you you can't do anything because I just decided I'm going to run for president. 
Now, some people might say Donald Trump has a more likelihood that he will run for president because he's a former president. But the fact of the matter is the Republican Party don't want anything to do with him. We don't even know if he's going to be the nominee for the Republican Party. He just spewed this shit out two years ahead of time in hopes that it would give him some angle. And these judges don't seem to be feeling it. The judges indicated through their questioning that they were likely to side with the Justice Department, which would mean they'd get rid of that special master. Um, And that's likely to happen. We don't have a decision as yet. But here's the problem. The special master just affords an opportunity for Donald Trump's legal team to delay more. Even if the special master comes out and does what he's supposed to do and Trump's lawyers don't like it, well, then they'll appeal that and they'll appeal that. And there'll be court cases and court cases and this will go on forever. And as the judges said, this is a bad precedent. Donald Trump is nobody right now. He is a private citizen. And if he's allowed to do this, then anybody can do it. And that's a poor precedent. And it's just going to gum up our legal system more than it already is. So in this court case, Donald Trump is probably going to lose. And that special master will be gone. I think the special master himself will even say, yeah, I don't need to do this. They're good. And that's going to be another big loss for Donald Trump. It's going to speed things along with this top secret document situation and with the um, entrance of Jack Smith. As I've told you before, when I first heard about this special counsel, which which is different than a special master, I thought it was just going to delay this longer. And now that I look at it, I don't think so. I think it's probably going to speed it up because, as I said yesterday, uh, Merrick Garland has a lot of things to deal with over and above the two cases of the January 6th insurrection and of the uh, of the uh, top secret documents. He's got a lot of things to consider and he's in a political position. So it's much harder for him to do that the moment Donald Trump announced he was running for president. So by. Hiring this special counsel and this particular counsel is very intriguing. This guy's reputation is he's hardcore, he gets into it, he's quick, and he's very decisive. Now, when he makes his decision, assuming he's going to recommend that they indict Donald Trump, Merrick Garland does have the final say, but all he has to do is approve it. The call will not be his, and then Donald Trump's complaint of it being political doesn't really pull much weight. He'll still try to do it, but clearly they brought in the special counsel to separate the political aspects of this. And uh, they wouldn't have brought this guy in unless there was an indictment imminent. So I think we'll probably see it quicker than had he not hired the special counsel. I think this is kind of a hired gun. And I think uh, his job is to get in here, review it, get caught up, find out some more stuff, and then make the decision, should we indict? And everything we've seen, it's been pretty black and white. Donald Trump has done enough things that even we in the public, what we've seen on television and in the hearings, he clearly has a lot of evidence against him. So 
it's hard to imagine that they won't decide to indict. I think the fact that they brought this special counsel in means they are going to indict and they're just trying to protect themselves as much as possible. So let's see how quickly this goes. I'd love to see something done before the end of the year. That would be nice. Now, the changeover in the House to the Republicans has no bearing on this stuff at all. No bearing at all. Because once it's in the DOJ, the Congress doesn't have any hope of doing anything. Now, of course, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Kevin McCarthy says, well, just to fund this guy and he won't be able to do anything. Yeah, that's not going to work. As I said yesterday, in order to do something like that, it has to pass the House, which it possibly could. But then it's got to pass the Senate, which there's no way it would. And then even if it passed the Senate, Joe Biden's got to sign it. And that ain't going to happen. So Marjorie Taylor Greene and Kevin McCarthy and any of these other guys, they can go fuck themselves because they can flap their gums, but they ain't going to do shit. All right. Well, here's some other good news in the courts. U.S. Senator Lindsey Graham testified yesterday, finally, in front of a special grand jury that's investigating whether President Donald Trump and others illegally meddled in the 2020 election in Georgia. Well, of course, at least with Donald Trump, we have an audio recording of him committing the crime. So I don't know how much more investigation you need. But Lindsey Graham did everything he could to uh, um, not testify. I did this little thing on TikTok. I wrote it while I was in the shower. It goes something like this. Lindsey Graham went down to Georgia looking for some votes to steal. He was in a bind because his boy was behind and he was looking to make an appeal. He said, now my boy, Donnie, he just might lose this race. So what I need is 11,780 votes. I need you to find them somewhere, someplace. (laughs) I'm not a songwriter. I'm not a singer. But Lindsay going down to Georgia, I had to fucking use that anyway. So he fought like hell to do this. I mean, he fought like hell. He fought like uh, he might fight when he tried to steal some French fries from Donald Trump's adult Happy Meal. But nothing he could do would stop them. It went to the Supreme Court. And once again, the Supreme Court disappointed the Trump and said, no, you got to testify. So he went down to Fulton County, Georgia, to the grand jury with Fonnie Willis, and he testified. Now, I talked about this on TikTok, and a lot of people are excited about it. But we always have these people that will come out and say, oh, you just plead the fifth. He won't do anything. And I've told you this before. I get so fucking tired of this fatalistic attitude and these people that are so fucking stupid that they think that pleading the fifth is a get-out-of-jail-free card. It is not. Now, Lindsay's got a couple of problems here. He doesn't want to testify because he's been lying for six years to favor Donald Trump. But he's a lawyer, so he knows if he goes to the grand jury, he can't lie. If he does lie, he'll be 
indicted for perjury and probably go to jail. So his only other option is he's got to throw his best buddy, his best girlfriend, Donald Trump, under the bus. The only good news for Lindsey Graham is that everything in a grand jury is secret, so what he said isn't going to get out, at least for the time being. So Donnie won't find out. His girlfriend won't find out that he's cheating on <laughs> So anyway, he goes down there. He does two hours, I guess. And Lindsay said it was fairly cordial. No one has said that he pled the fifth, but he could have. I just get I just get annoyed by these naysayers. Oh, nothing's gonna happen. He's gonna plead the fifth. You need to read the fifth to understand what the fuck you're talking about before you suggest that it's a get out of jail free card, cause it's not. Now Lindsey Graham might have had every good reason to plead the fifth, though, because he made a couple of calls to Brad Raffensperger, too, and uh, he may end up being a target. In fact, maybe some of the things they found out in this deposition might be reason enough to indict him. So Lindsey Graham had to testify, but he may be a target as well, or maybe they're just so laser-focused on Donald Trump, they just want to get enough information to nail him. And maybe that's a relief for Lindsey Graham. He's worried about a possible indictment. And maybe he feels like, well, if I give them the information they want, nobody's ever going to hear about it for the time being. And then maybe I won't get indicted. Who knows really what's what happened in there? But nobody's complaining about it. Nobody, uh, nobody's saying it was a waste of time. And the important thing is they got to get through this. They talked to Giuliani. Um, they talked to Giuliani, told him he is a target. So if he's a target, I got to think Lindsay's a target too. They talked to the Georgia governor. He tried to put it off till after the election and did, but he did testify. So Fonnie Willis, when she's deposing people at this level, means she's got to be pretty close to being done. And then at that point, the grand jury and Fonnie Willis have to decide whether there'll be some indictments. And I got to think, given the fact that we have an audio recording of Donald Trump breaking the very law, law that they're investigating, that he's going to get an indictment. Now, at this point, it's just a matter of who's going to send it off first. Now, Graham's office said in a statement that he spent just over two hours with the special grand jury and answered all the questions. That doesn't mean he didn't plead the fifth, but uh, it suggests that he probably was fairly forthcoming. He's probably scared shitless right now. Everything in his life is on the line. And do you really want to do that for Donald Trump? I can't imagine. Well, unless he's got something on Lindsay, which is possible. The senator feels he was treated with respect, prof prof professionalism, and courtesy, the statement said. So apparently, apparently, Lindsay's happy with the way it went. But what is he going to say? He's not going to come out of there saying, oh, they kicked my ass. I'm so worried. They're not, he's not going to say that. And for those of you that just keep being naysayers, don't post on my TikToks because I don't want to hear it. It's just absolute bullshit and you're not paying attention. I had one person post on one of my TikToks 
What about Giuliani? The federal government said they aren't going to charge him. Now, these people got the impression that when they heard that, that Giuliani was getting off on everything. But this person refused to fucking read any deeper than the headline. Because Giuliani isn't getting off of everything. What that article was about was... um, The Ukrainian situation, remember when Donald Trump was trying to strong-arm Zelensky into finding dirt on Joe Biden? Well, Giuliani was involved in that, and they've done an investigation, and they're not charging him for that situation. It may not have anything to do with him not committing a crime. It may have more to do with the fact they got bigger fish to fry with Rudy Giuliani. And trust me, Rudy is going to uh, fry. But this guy comes on and says, uh, yeah, he's got freed of everything. Everybody gets off. And they just can't use their critical thinking skills and figure out what the fuck is going on. He is not going to be prosecuted for the thing in Ukraine, but we still have the insurrection. We still have the overturning of the election in Georgia. In fact, as I said earlier, Fonnie Willis has said he's a target, which means he's probably going to get an indictment. And then you've got the uh, the fake um, fake electors. He was involved in all that shit. So don't tell me Judy Giuliani's getting off of everything. He's not. Read a little farther. Listen a little harder. And stop being sucked in by this clickbait fucking headlines. You're smarter than that. Come on. Now, it was interesting. William Barr had a few things to say recently, and uh, Donald Trump had some response to what he said. Now, remember, William Barr was the attorney general under Donald Trump, and he was Donald Trump's boy. I mean, he's the one that pretty much neutered the Mueller report by not giving out all the information and trying to make it look better than it was. For my money, Attorney General William Barr should be in line for an indictment too. But in this case, uh, Barr on Monday called for a new leader of the Republican Party, warning in a blistering rebuke that former President Trump will burn the whole house down. Unless the rest of the party goes along with him, he will burn the whole house down by leading his people out of the GOP, Barr said in a scathing op-ed published in the New York Post on Monday. Trump's willingness to destroy the party if he does not get his way is not based on principle, but on his own supreme narcissism. He added his egoism makes him unable to think of a political party as anything but an extension of himself, a cult of personality. That's William Barr. That's a far cry from what William Barr was saying when he was the attorney general, isn't it? He was protecting, he was supporting Donald Trump, and now he's flipped it around. He's trying to rehabilitate himself. But as I've said many times, it's really hard to get that stink off of you. The Donald Trump stink, especially somebody like William Barr, who was so high profile and so much a sycophant to Donald Trump. He's trying to fix it now, but uh, he's not going to get very far doing that. None of us are forgetting. Now, because of that and something else uh, William Barr said, Donald Trump is once again lashing out 
at William Barr. This is what he said. He said, sloppy Bill Barr was a weak and ineffective attorney general who was fired. He didn't quit. And now he's nothing more than a disgruntled former employee. Barr was a bushy who was petrified of being impeached, which the Dems were going to do until he changed course on a rigged election, Trump said, repeating his debunked lie of a rigged election. Trump went on to say that Mar-a-Lago documents case was actually a hoax. Really, Don, it's a hoax. The accusation is that you stole top-secret documents and brought them to Mar-a-Lago. And then the National Archives and the FBI went to Mar-a-Lago, where you live, and took said top-secret documents out of there. How is that a hoax? You did exactly what you're being accused of. You took top secret documents. That's not a hoax. The documents were in your possession in your home, and they took them out of there. Donnie, you use that term hoax too much, and every time you do, we know it's bullshit. You told us COVID was a hoax and a million people died, so your, uh, your credibility is not working in your favor. Now, Trump went on to say, weak rhino Bill Barr always caved to the Dems and is a disgrace to the Republican Party and our nation. He's always so sure about that shit. Now, Trump's true social outburst came one day after the New York Post published an op-ed by Barr under the title, Trump threatens to burn the GOP. As we were just talking about, it's time to move on. But Barr went even further. He said it's now clear he lacks the qualities essential to achieving the kind of unity and broad election victory in 2024 so necessary if we are to write our listing republic. It's time for new leadership. And this last line is the thing that got Donnie wired up. In an interview that aired on Saturday, Barr told PBS News, I personally think that they probably have a basis for legitimately indicting the president. This is his own attorney general that did everything to help him lie, cheat, and steal. Now he's done a 180, and now he's saying that not only should they get rid of him as the leader of the Republican Party, but that they have every reason to indict him. Oh, this has Donnie riled up, really fucking riled up. And probably scared. If his own people are saying this, well, Donnie's got problems. Or as he once said, he's going to be going through some things. And things just aren't looking good these days. Now there's a news report in a business deal. Now get this one. Donald Trump reached a deal with Saudi Arabian real estate company, and whether his entanglement with the Middle Eastern governments presents a conflict of interest as he runs for president again. Now, the New York Times report on Monday, it focuses on a $4 billion deal Trump signed last week to forge a partnership between his business empire and the Saudi-based Dar al-Arkan. The deal is for the construction of a Trump-branded hotel and golf course that Dar al-Arkan intends to build with land and financial backing from the government of Oman. 
Now, this is interesting. $4 billion deal. Is Donnie Trump getting $4 billion? Because Donald Trump doesn't build shit anymore. He doesn't build a goddamn thing. So are they paying to put his name on the building? What are they, fucking crazy? Do the people over in Oman think differently of Donald Trump than we here at home? I don't know. But the troubling thing is he's going into this $4 billion deal as he's also running for president. That is troubling in its own right. I think Donald Trump knows he's never going to run for president and he's trying to do whatever he can to make money now so he can survive, pay his legal bills. But the question is, why would Saudi Arabia and Oman put this money into Donald Trump? What what does he have that's worth that? Putting his name on a building, that's not worth $4 billion. And keep in mind, Saudi Arabia also gave his his son-in-law, $2 billion for God knows what. We don't even fucking know what that was about. There's something very fishy here. And this is the arrogance of Donald Trump. He's under investigation for top-secret documents and maybe distributing them to places like Saudi Arabia. Now his taxes are going to come to pass, and we're going to find out that he's gotten a lot of money from overseas, from Russia, from Saudi Arabia, whatever. And why do these people keep giving him the money? They're smart enough to know to not let Donald Trump build anything because he's fucking horrible at it and he can't get the money anyway. But for some reason, they feel this tie to Donald Trump in spite of the fact that they see all these investigations and they know Donald Trump is probably coming to an end sometime soon. I mean, think about this. Think about this. Donald Trump with his company, is cutting a deal with Saudi Arabian real estate company for $4 billion. Well, Donald Trump's company, the Trump Organization, is on trial. It was indicted for criminal fraud practices. The jury is fucking out. The case is done. The jury is out. They may come back with a conviction, and that pretty much wipes out the company. And if that doesn't wipe out the company, then... The civil lawsuit with Letitia James in New York and the potential fine of $250 million, that's going to help to wipe out the uh, Trump organization. So why in the world would a company want to go into business with somebody like that? You notice nobody in America will do it, not even Deutsche Bank. They walked away from Donald Trump, too. So he's got to get money from someplace, and apparently he's getting it from our adversarial countries. Yet he wants to be president of the United States. And I don't know about you, but that seems a little fucking troubling to me. All right. We got a bit of... New information on the student loan thing. Of course, he signed the you know, Biden signed the executive order and it was going to go. But now the Republicans are taking it to court and tying it up and muddling it up and all this shit. They'll get through it and it'll be fine ultimately, but it's taking time. And of course, the plan was for people to start paying their loans on January 1st. Well, with all these court cases, it's funny, the Republicans don't want this loan forgiveness. So they go in and 
issue all these court cases to tie things up. So what does Joe Biden do? Well, President Joe Biden announced Tuesday that his administration is extending. He said he wasn't going to do it, but he's extending the pause on student loan payments through June 30th, 2023. He's extending it another six months in light of the Republicans waging a court battle over his debt forgiveness program. So what these Republicans did what the Republicans did, in fact, was um, fighting against the $10,000 forgiveness. So instead of because of what they did, nobody's paying anything for another six months. Nice job, Republicans. It just goes to show his, the only interest is, <clears throat> is that uh, um, they want to own the libs. They just want to own the libs and... Uh, they don't really care about the money. They don't care who it affects or who it doesn't affect. <clears throat> but actually, the Republicans, for all the bullshit they're doing now, just gave an extension of six months where nobody has to pay anything. And then when we get to that point, who knows what uh, President Biden might do. Maybe he'll make it a bigger deal. Maybe. I mean, he if he decides not to run for president, what's he got to fucking lose? He's got nothing to lose. And if it clears, if this clears the courts, he's going to have free reign to do kind of whatever he wants. There'll be some limitations, but he'll be able to do pretty much anything he wants. Republicans just keep fucking up and keep fucking up, and uh, it's kind of funny. It's interesting that uh, Kevin McCarthy is making all these claims of all the things he's going to do. He's going to take Ilhan Omar and some other people off um, Adam Schiff and some other people off these uh, committees. And he's going to put Marjorie Taylor Greene on committees again. And he's talking like he's got the job as Speaker of the House. And frankly, he doesn't. In fact, the likelihood that he will get the Speaker of the House is slim. Matt Gates came out yesterday and said, I've got five votes to vote against Kevin McCarthy. Now, keep in mind, what do they have, like 20, 221 or 222 seats? But they need 218 to elect a Speaker of the House. Kevin McCarthy needs 218 votes. Now, when he got his nomination, he got 188, enough for the nomination, but not enough to get elected. And now people like Matt Gates saying, I've got at least five people that are going to vote against him which would put him under the 218-vote limit, assuming all the other 217 or 16 were actually going to vote for him. Now, CNN GOP strategist Doug Hay predicted House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy will face drama, a lot of drama, in his quest to become House Speaker. Hay joined a panel discussion on CNN uh, Tuesday to discuss the coming 118th Congress where McCarthy is presumably in the driver's seat to lead the Republican Party after January 3rd. McCarthy is already facing oppositions within his own party after the GOP won a slim majority in the midterms. It's going to be very interesting. The host of the show, 
Cassie Hunt shared doubts McCarthy, if elected, will be as effective in leading a House majority as current Speaker Nancy Pelosi. No question, he won't be nearly as effective. CNN contributor Paul Begala agreed McCarthy will face hardship in attempting to unify Republicans. Will McCarthy be able to pass anything, Begala asked? Don't sit with him at Thanksgiving because he won't be able to pass the fucking gravy without Marjorie Taylor Greene coming in and doing it for him. Hay predicted McCarthy will face roadblocks in getting the speaker role with his party clinging to a slim majority. Last thing I want to talk about because I've got an interesting turn of events here. Of course, we've got the runoff election for the U.S. Senate seat in Georgia on December 6th. Incumbent Raphael Warnock is going up against imbecile Herschel Walker. I've been watching this guy on TV. What's with his face? Every time I see him, he's always got this greasy look on his face. Is he sweating? It's just weird. Warnock looks fine, but... uh, Herschel's really sweating this out. But the interesting turn of events is, you you know I live in Minnesota. That's my home. But I've also mentioned that my wife and I bought a place, a small place, down in Savannah, Georgia. We love Savannah. We love the people in Savannah. And it just so happens. My wife and I are going to be in Savannah, Georgia, from December 2nd to the 5th, one day before the election. Goodness sakes alive, there's a conspiracy theory waiting to happen. (laughs) And I told my wife, I said, I got a great idea. This is going to be hilarious. And she looks at me because she's heard this all before. And she goes, oh, for fuck's sake, what? I said, this is what we should do. Unlike the 4th, because we're leaving on the 5th. On the 4th, two days before the election, what I want to do is get a U-Haul truck and then put a sign on the side of it (laughs) and say Herschel Walker's early ballots (laughs) and then just drive all over the city like we're moving this shit around I said that would be hilarious people would would drive fucking people crazy and of course my wife being the brighter of the two of us says yeah we're not doing that I said, come on, it'll be fun. She goes, no, we're not fucking doing that. And I have to defer to her for two reasons. First of all, she's the boss. Secondly, she's probably saved my t- my life numerous times with similar fucking ideas. But I get this sense, I just want to taunt these Trumplefucks because I think Warnock's going to win pretty easily. And it's kind of important that he wins. I mean, we already have the majority in the Senate. But if we got 51, it would make everything so much easier. It would make the committees in the Senate so much stronger. So even though we don't need it to get the majority, that extra senator, the 51st senator in the Senate, is going to make things a lot easier. It's going to make it a lot easier to grab on to the uh, J6 investigation or uh, the investigation into Donald Trump's taxes and switch them over to uh, the Senate. Now, that's not to say we can't do that with a 50-50 split, but if you remember when we first took the Senate, 
there had to be some compromises because it's a 50-50 split. The strength of uh, the committees on the Senate side weren't as strong for the Democrats as they could have been because Mitch McConnell got some leeway because it was only a 50-50 split. So in, to a large extent, the, 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 the committees in the Senate were kind of hamstrung, and they weren't as effective as the House. So if we get that Raphael Warnock seat locked down and we have 51 senators, it'll be so much stronger for the Democrats in the U.S. Senate. So we got to keep our fingers crossed. we got to keep reminding people to vote, and we will— win this goddamn thing. At this point, Raphael Warnock is up by about four points. And let's face it, Raphael Warnock did win the general election. He just didn't get 50% of the vote. So I think Raphael Warnock will win this, but uh, it's still close. And we need everybody to do what they're supposed to do. All right, we're going to wrap things up for the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen. I hope you have a great day, and we'll talk to you tomorrow on Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.